and welcome to this series five, episode 12 of Out with Susie Ruffle. I have such a brilliant conversation to share with you today. I am delighted to say that Dame Kelly Holmes sat down with me and talked about her journey to coming out in the media. You may be aware that she came out just a week ago and her documentary about deciding to come out, why now, what had held her back in the past, all of these things went out last night on ITV and before the aired, whilst they were still recording it, I was lucky enough to be invited down to have this conversation with her that I'm going to share with you today. I think she's brilliant. I think she's got a lot of really interesting things to say and I'm really excited to share this with you. As you may know, this will be the final episode of this series. So thanks for listening to it. I can't believe that we've got to the end of five series. There's more than 70 interviews now up there. So maybe if you've come to this podcast as a new listener because you found it because of Kelly, there is a whole bunch of inspiring, interesting, entertaining sometimes, heartfelt conversations for you to get stuck into. And I really hope that you enjoy them. As ever, I have received lots of emails this week about the fantastic conversation with Chris Sweeney last week. It seemed that loads of you enjoyed that and I'm so delighted that you did. You can always get in touch with me. The email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. The emails are always open even if it's between series, so always feel free to get in touch with me. Um, I always share some of the emails at the beginning part of the series that I received in the series break. So if you want to reach out, please do. I'll share a couple of emails as I always do and then we'll get into that brilliant conversation with Kelly. I keep thinking I will write and tell you how much your podcast means to me, but the last episode had so many things in it that resonated with me, but I'll come to that later. I had my daughter 11 years ago and my partner struggled with being the other mother, so much so that we separated when my daughter was just four months old. After this, I stupidly moved from city life with a vibrant gay scene, loads of gay friends and other gay parents to close to my parents in rural Scotland. My mum, whilst having the appearance of being supportive to me, has always clearly struggled with my sexuality. She won't tell other people and will tell people my child's father just isn't on the scene. Nice mother makes me sound like a jilted straight rather than someone who tried bloody hard to have a child. The assumption of heterosexuality that comes with being a single gay parent has been hard and I've gone back to having to make those regular decisions about whether to come out again. And a decade on, I'm still struggling to find people who accept me where I live and the community and the chosen family that I had before. The isolation has taken a huge toll on my mental health and the years have been hard and long. Anyway, enough woe is me. I finally felt compelled to write to you after listening to you speak to Chris Sweeney, as you, him and Tom Allen have formed the bulk of my scene over the last few years and have given me contact back to my gay self. Chris's comment about being confused when the person in the shop called him a man at 39 rang true. I still look around to see who they're talking to when people refer to me as a lady. I'm biologically female, but I am definitely not a lady. While I can relate to being a woman, I definitely don't feel like a lady. Congratulations to you and Alice on becoming parents. Keep dressing that small human in tracksuits. I got so much negativity from dressing my daughter practically when she was wee and for letting her dress as a pirate for weeks on end, including at her best friend's pirate and princess's party, that I lost count of the number of people who said, the boys are meant to be pirates. She's now 11 and knows her mind, though is currently in the fun form of dressing like the latest trends and looking like an extra from Clueless, much to my dismay. So it obviously didn't break her with tracksuits and dungarees. I've attached a photo of my tiny pirate and her best friend, as I thought you might like it. 
which I do. It's adorable. Thank you so much for the company and being my friends in my ears. The Amazon special was amazing and landed on a very hard day and was a very needed spark in the dark. Bye bye bye. Please keep being fabulous and please come to Scotland on tour. And that is from Ali. Um, Ali, the picture of your daughter is absolutely adorable. What an adorable pirate. And I'm so pleased that you enjoyed the conversation with Chris Sweeney and that me, him and Tom have been your scene in your ears. Someone described this podcast as a piece of pride in their pocket the other day. And I loved it so much because you don't need to tell anyone. It's just there. And if you need it, you can tune into it. And so thank you, Ali, for reaching out and getting in touch. And I'm so pleased the podcast means this much to you. I will be coming on tour to Scotland at some point and make sure you come along and say hello. Okay, let's have another one. Hi, Susie. I hope you're well. I wanted to say first how much I love your podcast. A friend turned me on to it a few months ago and I've been listening to it regularly ever since. I've learned so much about the LGBTQIA community and it's really opened my eyes to the experiences of those under that umbrella. I hope that one day people can be accepted and celebrated as they are. I've been meaning to write for a while but have not really felt it was the right time. Since I've recently separated from my partner of many years, now seems like a good opportunity to do so. As a teenager, I had experimented with a close female friend, but I was too young to really understand what it meant. I didn't really think about it, although I certainly had a crush on a particular female celebrity. In my early 20s, I then had another experience with a woman. My partner was also involved in that experience, but as I was in a relationship, I didn't really understand what it meant or if I could examine these feelings in full. My family can be homophobic, and I think I have internalized some of this, so that didn't help either. Now that I'm separated, I can begin to work through this. I think that I'm bisexual, but my therapist suggested to me that I may not be interested in actually having a relationship with a woman. I didn't understand how this could be the case, given that I'm physically attracted to women. And after doing some reading online, I came across the term heteroromantic. I don't really know if this defines me yet, In all likelihood, it's going to take some time to figure it out. However, it is interesting to me that you can be both bisexual and heteroromantic, showing that love and sexuality are not linear and they can encompass each other so much. I'm not really sure what the future lies, but it's exciting that I can explore this and find out. I haven't started sharing this new information with friends yet, although I'm confident they will all be very accepting to me, however I label myself. I'd prefer to remain anonymous if you choose to share this on your podcast. Many thanks for your great podcast and for making so many people's stories accessible. Thank you so much for sending that email in. As you requested, I will keep you anonymous. But I'm so pleased that this podcast has helped you learn so much about our community and has been part of your journey. And I love that I make people's stories accessible. That really means a lot to me. I love interviewing people and I love sharing their stories. And now to get on with today's conversation, as I mentioned before, I sat down with Dame Kelly Holmes to talk about her incredible career and about her decision to come out. I hope you enjoy it. The word legend is a word that is thrown about a lot these days, but I'm honoured today to actually be sat next to a real life living legend of British athletics, Olympic, Commonwealth and European champion Dame Kelly Holmes, one of the UK's most popular athletes and respected across the globe as a role model in sports and beyond. Kelly's name is synonymous with the 2004 Athens Olympics, where she brought home two gold medals in the 800 metres and the 1500 metres, the first Briton in 80 years to do so. After her Olympic success, she won BBC Sports Personality of the Year, European Athlete of the Year and was honoured with a damehood from the Queen. 
Her success off the track is just as impressive. Kelly is a highly successful motivational speaker, inspiring and motivating audiences across the UK and indeed the world. Sharing her journey to success, her focus, self-belief, drive, determination and her fearlessness when discussing her depression and mental health is truly inspiring and I am so delighted that she sat next to me today. Hello Kelly. Hello, thank you. That was a nice intro. I mean it's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Are you used to people sort of shouting about all of your achievements whenever they meet you? I suppose so over the years, yeah. you know, because when you see someone it's the first time you've seen them. Yeah, 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 because for years I've been talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it still sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> not going to lie. I mean, that's good. It must be occasionally just go on your Wikipedia page and be like, oh, I've smashed it. Brilliant. That's cool. I'm not that vain, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you ever have a low day, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. So we're filming a documentary at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, how has the experience been for you so far? Um, the documentary has been a real journey, to uh -huh. be honest. It's been quite in-depth, very personal. It's hitting on subjects that you mentioned about being a global speaker that I've never spoken about. Uh -huh. So, of course, it's been scary at times, emotional, yeah. but also thought-provoking and given me a sense of kind of knowing where I want to go next. Is there like a liberation in a way that's coming from talking about sort of your authentic self? I think there's a part of the journey is really kind of going through how me as an individual has uh, lived life. It's been a journey of freedom, mm -hmm. trying to get that freedom in my mindset. It's not been a journey that's unusual to me because I know who, exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. But it's a thing of when you're in the public eye and with everything that I know I stand for and hopefully still do and speak about authentically as a person that, you know, had dreams, <laughs> went through a hard journey to get them physically and emotionally, stands on stage. If there's a part of you that you know you aren't speaking about, I think for me, it's got to a point where I just want to have a freedom to talk about whatever I want to talk about. So for example, if um, I do motivational speaking and a subject comes out about diversity and inclusion, I won't go and do that talk because I am not and have not been out in my public life. And this is the journey that I'm going on. It's exciting. It's scary. It's, it's the unknown, it's knowing what I've done in my life and what people think of me because of that, to not knowing what people will think if I just tell my story. And I'm hoping that the journey that I've taken on my documentary is explaining why, why I haven't been able to live my authentic life to this point, mm -hmm. and also what, the journey is either helping me and maybe being informative and educational to others as well. Oh, I think without doubt. Mm. You know, I mentioned in the intro that you're inspiring. And I think that by you doing this documentary, talking about coming out and doing that in a public way, mm. you know, without knowing, <laughs> I know that you're going to help thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. But... I mean, carrying any kind of secret. I mean, I, I came out when I was in my early 20s, but I knew 
from when I was quite a young teenager. And so it was only less than a decade, probably. Mm. But I remember, I used to call it, I used to do stand-up about it, saying I used to have like this backpack of shame, mm-hmm. and it was like so heavy. <laughs> but I was so worried that people yeah. were gonna find out. So it was like, I just pop that in the backpack, zip it up, put it on my back, and just keep going. Yeah. And I think for me, and I know certainly for lots of people that I've spoken to, coming out sort of does unburden you of that weight in some capacity, but I think, you know, it's a different thing when you're doing it in the public eye. Mm. And so did you get to a stage where you were like, oh, I want to author this rather than have the press write something? I think it's because essentially I've lived privately my authentic self. It's nothing new. Right, yeah. I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. Uh, I know I've been a gay woman since I was 18. And this is the first time I'm saying publicly that I'm a gay woman in an interview of any description. I've done a million interviews. Yeah, I'm honoured that, uh, <laughs> that you're sharing your story with me. Um, the fact is, is that even though I'm in denial of my age, I am uh, 39 plus, so I won't go there. I'm I mean, you need to know how great <laughs> Kelly's skin is, my God. You look incredible. <laughs> uh, so I'm 52. I've got to a point in my life where I can no longer live with not just living the life that I want to live. Meaning that if somebody asked me a question, could I do a speaking engagement on diversity and inclusion? I'm not scared to say it mm-hmm. because I've always been scared of what by saying that I'm, I'm gay in public because I've never done it and I've gone for an ear. And what I, people have to realise and maybe listen to this is what I've learned on the journey that generational change is huge. Mm-hmm. Social acceptance and change over the years is huge Massive. i grew up in the 80s yeah. it's very taboo i grew up in the army it was illegal to be gay i became a public figure no one spoke about being gay in sport during the early 2000s if you've lived your life where you can't and haven't ever been able to say something and then you see society is very open and acceptive you have to find your way of how do i then fit into that how do i then talk about that in a way that doesn't go oh well no one cares because if you've lived your life in fear of certain things you can't just switch to that thing also that no one cares thing is so useless when Mm -hmm. people say that and it's so unhelpful because well it it does Mm -hmm. to us it does to me it does to you it does because yeah you know liberal people can go it doesn't matter no one cares but you you know you can't help but know some people do mm. some people will there'll be some countries that we probably don't want a holiday in mm-hmm. it's not sorted yeah. for gay people you know this it's still you know, it's certainly improved you're absolutely right societal changes have been massive but mm. you know there's still homophobia within the uk there's still homophobia across the world coming out is a really brave thing to do mm. because it does slightly change the landscape for you and i don't think it's in a negative way i think coming out is the best thing that I've ever done. And in fact, when I think about my sexuality, you know, I can't help but think as a, as a teen, it was the thing I was most ashamed of and most frightened of. Mm. Really, I remember thinking when I was 15, I'd go to bed some nights thinking, please, can I just wake up and be normal? Please, can I just wake up and fancy a boy? Please, I'll do anything. If, that, if I could flick a switch, I would do it. Mm. And now it's something that I really like about myself. I, mm. I love that I'm gay. I love my wife. That's handy, isn't it? But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it's, it's never people that have been through it, I don't think, that say, the world's changed, it's easy now. It's like, well, no, mm. if you grew up during Section 28, mm-hmm. homosexuality couldn't be spoken about in schools. So, you know, that makes it feel like it's wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, it's strange because I've never felt ashamed of who I am. I just never felt shame. I don't care. That's who, great. You know, and I don't care who I am. So the, this has been sort of the journey and the kind of story I'm trying to explain to people is that, you know, from 18 to now, there's been lots of things in my life that have stopped me being able to talk about it. And that's mainly my own fears, my own insecurities. And a lot of it came, and I'm addressing it in the documentary about the army, which was, yeah. it was illegal to be gay in the army. And I served in the army for nearly 10 years. Mm -hmm. And after the ban got lifted, I didn't know how I could then say, yeah. because yeah. I was worried about what that meant. And so I kept that worrying all my life. And it's only now because of, you know, I've struggled. I've struggled with my mental health. Um, a lot of it when I stand on stage is always attributed to sport. But actually, of course, it's not. It's attributed to not being able to live that authentic self, not knowing how to just say, you know, I'm a gay woman. And where does that then fit in my narrative? Because everybody's got to know me through being Kelly Ohm's Olympic champion, yeah. inspiration. And I love that, that that's what, and I still want that to be the case that people who support me, support me because I'm Kelly. I don't want that to change. And sometimes in your life, you think that's gonna change because people will then see you different. And I don't want people to see me different. So I'm trying to go through the journey to explain that, you can't help who you are. I live in my private life, my authentic self. Yeah. It's no different to me and my friends and family. But when you are somebody who is maybe slightly older in an era that's now very accepted, if you've gone through eras that it never was yeah. or you found it hard to be, and then I've popped into the public eye for the last, you know, from 2004, that's 18 years of being right up here, not being able to kind of know what, how do I say it? And I think the hardest bit for me has been that it's affected my mental health over the last two years to yeah. think that I can no longer not live my authentic life. You know, I've gone through the whole COVID spells mm -hmm. quite badly. You know, I lost my mum four years ago and I thought she hasn't got her life to live, I have. And I've been for four years now really in my head thinking I've got to just be able to say it. And it's not to, you know, I don't want this to come across bad because I know what the podcast is really about. It's about people being their authentic self and whatever, but there's many people before me that have flown the flag. There's many people before me that stand really high in the LGBT plus community. And I feel that it's not about acceptance for me. It's just about me being able to feel okay, you know, yeah. if, if I, I've never been to a Pride, for example, yeah. right? I used to think, God, if I go to a Pride, everyone's gonna see Dame Kelly Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, suddenly it's gonna come out. And it's not that I didn't wanna go to a Pride, it's because I've had that fear of somebody saying something. Well, of course. So for me now, it's like, why can't I go? I say, it looks brilliant, you know, Absolutely. it looks fantastic. I don't know, it's just about freedom, I think for me, and a choice about me having a choice to say what I want to say when I want to say it. Uh, and I haven't felt that freedom. And this is, I think, the documentary to be able to give me that. I think it doesn't matter when it happens or how it happens. I think mm. that everyone's journey, you know, whatever their identity is, mm. I think it doesn't matter when it comes to you. I think that or when you feel ready to talk about it, I think it's, 
it's different for each person. Mm. You know, like you meet kids now that are like, like I've got a cousin who was like 14 out at school, like he's <laughs> camping than Christmas, yeah. doesn't give a shit, just like, and, and I think that's wonderful, but mm. that wasn't me. No. That wasn't me, no way. But I think it is, it is really different for every person. Like when you were in the army, we, you were aware of your sexuality by that point. Mm-hmm. You, you were, did you join at 18? I joined, yeah, a month before I was 18. I didn't know I was gay until I joined the army. And right, then okay. it became very obvious that I okay, was, sure, let's sure, say sure, that. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was illegal. Um, it was illegal. Uh, I've said it in the documentary, yeah. you see it, we got raids. Um, I've learnt through the journey, people uh, got court-martialed, some people yeah. went to jail. There's, there's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. you got to imagine as a 17-year-old when I first joined, I was actually quite sort of, just quite quiet. I just always wanted to be in the army since I was 14. I wanted a career and as much as I was at ease and I knew lots of other people that were gay, you also had hanging over your head if somebody found out that shouldn't find out, you could lose your career. And I didn't want to lose my career. It was was at that stage, part of my identity to feel I could be someone. I felt shit as a youngster, you know, I didn't feel I was good at anything other than running and the love for being in the army. Mm -hmm. Um, So being in the army, I just didn't want to lose my career. And so you navigate what that means and you get security with people because yeah. you know people, everyone, you know, in this world, people can keep stum. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know how to still be you without any, saying it. Yeah, and you get a network of people who you trust. Um, but when, yeah. you, when you say it's your career with the army, I can't help but think it must be, it's a whole way of life, isn't it? It's not just a job. Mm. Like you're living there, you're with people. They, they must mm. become, like, I don't, Obviously, I've not been in the army, but it must become like a family. Mm, like it's, it's losing more than a job mm-hmm. and losing more than a career. It'd be like losing part of yourself. It's losing your identity. And at the time for me, if I had lost that career, it would have been like my life would have been what, what you know, mm. who am I? What am I going to do? Because that gave me an identity being a soldier. It made me feel good, mm. you know, having that career. So I suppose, yeah, it's just an era that you're in and almost... I kind of tried to keep reflecting on it. It's just thinking, well, I just lived the life. I knew yeah. what I could say or who I could be comfortable with and who I'd just be careful yeah. with. And I suppose also at the same time, I became an international athlete. Yeah, that's what's better to ask So about. I'm in the public eye for that. So I lived through an era of, it's illegal to be gay, but I'm now in the public eye where actually I would have preferred to just be me, but I couldn't. So I had that. And it must have been difficult when you had so many setbacks in, in your athletics career with injuries and mental health and mm. so many things holding you back. It must have felt once, you know, I remember watching <laughs> the 2004 Olympics. I remember you winning. I remember it being yeah. so exciting that mm. it's like it's a Brit. Oh yeah. my God, like this doesn't happen. We don't win stuff. Yeah. And she's won too. And like, and you know, all of a sudden your, your face is on the cover of all of Everything. the newspapers everywhere. Mm. And obviously you were known before, but like, that was it. You're a mm. hero. Uh-huh. And then it must have been, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but was there an element of like, oh, well, I can't, I can't come out now because I'm, I'm a dame and I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other. Yeah. And they don't know this thing about me. And if, if they know this thing about me, will I stop? being their hero yeah yeah it was an element of definitely that I was scared to say anything because 
I still didn't know by admitting I was gay what the army really? would say. You weren't still in the army then? No, but the band but... only got lifted in 2000. Right, okay. So of course, it'd been out of my mind of just doing it. But then I was very aware that if I said something, I was pretty much admitting that I was gay during the band. And at that stage, I was like, well, what would happen? But I didn't speak to somebody in the army because yeah. I was like, I don't want anyone to know. So whilst it was like undoubtedly the best thing that ever could happen to an individual that wanted to be Olympic yeah. champion, you know, to win two and to be that. And I was put on a pedestal. I had to quickly change the narrative into it all being focused on sport, sport and um, the journey to get there because yeah. that was a powerful enough story without saying about me. So I've been able to live this 20 odd years since, well, 18 years since retiring based on as a first person after 80 years to win two gold medals yeah. the journey was so tough because so of the tough. injuries your age the age you know I was I think I think there was only three women ever in the world and I think I was the oldest person to get the double as well Incredible. so and I'd been winning medals for 10 years prior to that so it was like it wasn't that it was a new journey I wasn't no. suddenly summoning out the book so I was able to talk about all the other things I'd done that no one did so yeah. I've had enough narrative in my life to not have to say anything if you know yeah. what I mean but while I say it was the best part of my life it was also really scary for me I was worried that people would come out saying mm -hmm. things because I did live my life in the army mm -hmm. I did see people I was worried that that would, as you say, maybe affect what people thought about me because back in 2004, it wasn't accepted it was like it is time. now. It was a different time. I did worry that people might look at me differently, think of me differently, stop me doing stuff. So I stopped myself doing it. I did everything that was charitable, everything that was inspirational. But when it came to doing things that were in big magazines and pushing myself to do the TV, I held back purposely because I thought I would show too much of who I am. And so I did, I have done interviews, I have been on telly, but I've been very guarded, have a big barrier. And I think that in a way for me feels like it came across as a negative of who I am because I think people didn't see my true self. I love having fun, I just like being me, you know what I mean? I'm like, I am the biggest kid in my family and I've got, <laughs> A lot, a big, big family, <laughs> and I'm way the oldest. But I felt that just being me exposed me. So yeah. I've always gone very guarded. straight, guarded, kind of don't step over a line. And no one actually, to be honest, has ever asked me in my whole career, am I gay? And I think that shows that you can, as an individual, find a way of being someone without exposing everything about you. Mm -hmm. But then what does that do to you? It hurts, yeah. you know, and I'm hoping through the documentary that I also, you know, I've learned a lot about people in, let's just say the community that I'm really only just getting to know. And I, I know that might sound offensive to people, but had no clue about a lot of the subjects that I am trying to, I've been investigating, let's yeah. say. And I'm trying not to be offensive in it because I just, I, I am ignorant to it. I don't know everything. I've learned a lot and it's brilliant, but. But I think the most powerful thing sometimes is saying, I don't, yeah. I don't know everything and that's yeah. okay. Like I think it's all about being willing to learn. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's, 
I suppose, like I say, the journey has been, like people will say, well, why are you only just coming out now, whatever. In my head, that's what I think some people will say. And I say, if you've lived a life of fear for what anything, mm-hmm. how easy is it then just to overcome that, whatever yeah. that is in your life? If you've literally, and people won't understand what that fear has done to me, mm-hmm. it's really affected me mm-hmm. personally, emotionally. It's caused a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and the journeys allow me to try and get away with that fear, but it's not easy. No, because <laughs> it's what you know. Mm. At least when you're scared, you know what that feels like. You know, it's the unknown, isn't it? That's really Mm. frightening. Yeah, it's the unknown. And I think it's more the fact that, like I say, you know, I'm not one of the younger ones coming out to this day. You know, I'm not one of the ones that are living the life in this society that's very, very accepted. Still a long way to go. But in my eyes, (laughs) I mean, night and day, you know, this is like, wow. And sometimes I do feel jealous of watching people being their true self and enjoying life. And, you know, even I watch people and I see people on Instagram and I see couples going around and they just love it. And I'm just like, wow. And it's not that I, and I don't mean jealousy as in, oh, they shouldn't have it. It's just like, I don't know what it's like to be like that. I don't know what it's like just to be me. (laughs) Are you excited? Um... I suppose at the stage that we sit, mm-hmm. the documentary hasn't come out yet. <laughs> so when you play this, this is post the documentary. And I'd like to say that I feel relieved. I feel a weight off my shoulders. I'll feel happier just doing it. Mm-hmm. I know at this point I still feel scared and anxious. Yeah. But I think it's like the unknown. If I put it into athletics terms, it's like if I'm getting ready for the biggest race of my life... I'm scared of the outcome. I'm thinking, God, am I going to get chipped up? Am I going to lose? Am I injured? That worry, you know, from that point of view, is like, it constantly goes in your mind. Then you do the race, and if it's great, you're like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. You know, or if it didn't go so well, you're like, okay, I can rectify this later. This is a life change for me. People have to understand, yeah. I'm 52. This is a massive 30-odd years in fear. This isn't a light-hearted, no. I'm just coming out with a label on my head. Yeah. This is affects my life going forward. It affects who I am. Of course. You know, people can wave a rainbow flag and sort of go, oh, well, this is it, it's done. But mm. it's not. It's a journey of, like, unpacking that internalised shame. And, mm. oh, you said it wasn't shame, no, but, like, internalised sort of, like, the, the homophobia that other people mm. might have out in the world. Or the fear, the fear of, you know, unpacking that is, like, a massive thing and you know and putting your story out into the world is huge and I think anyone that suggests that it's not massive mm. is wrong I just want to I suppose for me it's that I know that I've had a lot of people support me because I'm just Kelly who's done whatever I've done mm-hmm. all the things I've done yeah. I don't want them to see me any different post me saying it and of course they mean a lot to me because they have followed me and supported that and I hope that this journey sh- chosen that I'm still just the same person but actually you might see more of me you might get more of who I am and actually that's a good thing to do absolutely and then also you know within the documentary is a really important part with my family who have known about me all the time I've got a big family and you know two of my brothers and my dad was just like don't matter we don't care you know and I want that message to come across because I do know as much as I sit here saying how my life is being affected by not saying it, I know that there's a lot of people out there who still, for whatever reason, can't be their true selves. Mm-hmm. And 
maybe because it's their family or their background or their you know their social background their religion or whatever culture and I hope that there's a really great message in my documentary that actually the people close to you just want you to be happy and I haven't ever felt truly happy but they are so pleased that I'm doing the documentary because really? for once I can be me mm-hmm. and them saying that on screen I think is quite powerful um hugely hopefully to others that are however young or old who are just feeling like they want that support from someone close and then equally those watching it who aren't supportive of their loved ones looking at it and going do you know what they're just they're just people I love them you know what I mean they're part of me why aren't why am I not being accepted and I hope that's a strong part in my whole story as well Absolutely. And I think that because of you doing so well yeah. in 2004 and it being like it, yeah. it led up to, you know, yeah. us having the 2012 Olympics here in Olympic mm-hmm. Mania. And I'm not sure that it would have been as exciting if we hadn't watched them happen overseas and seen victory. Yeah. You know, I think that you gave like a generation of athletes possibility, mm. which is nice. massive. Yeah. And so I can't help but think anyone that watches your documentary or finds out you know, this extra thing about you, which does not mm. define you. It's just part of who you are. More than anything, it's you saying, oh, I'm I'm letting you know something else about me. I'm not, mm. I'm, I'm letting you in a little bit more. Nothing yeah. Nothing that you know is different. You know, yeah. it's not like you've, um, you're changing who you are. It's just, no. oh, here's an, here's an extra thing you didn't know about me that now I feel able yeah. to talk about. That's exactly right. And you said it really well. I think it is about that. It's about just saying to people, you know, this is the other side, part of me that you don't know. And the reason I'm telling you is that actually I want to give you even more of who I am, my personality, whatever, but essentially lift the fear, lift the barriers, lift the struggles that I've had because I don't want them anymore. So by doing it is just to help me essentially as well. And along the way, hopefully help others. Because I think that if you are hiding that part of yourself, I listened to you on Desert Island Discs mm-hmm. this week. And, <laughs> Gosh, uh, that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it was 2006. Oh, so it was only a couple of years after <laughs> the Olympics. Yeah. And the final question was, was her sort of saying, you know, you're going to have kids, which is such a, or you're going to get married, which is, yeah. I mean, endlessly. I mean, I don't know how many male athletes <laughs> they're asking that too, but okay. <laughs> but you sort of went, I'm not interested in that. I'm only interested in Kelly Holmes. And I thought, God, that's, it was, you know, it's such an interesting thing in thinking about coming and talking to you today because constantly having to have that in the back of your head, it's tiring. Yeah, and that was one of very few people that I've ever just sort of said about that. And, you know, some people said, oh, you're going to have kids. I'm like, I'm way too old for kids. <laughs> and I've got 10 nieces and nephews and I can say goodbye, you know. And I just skirt around it. I think there's a skill in people who don't want to say everything well, answer a question yeah. without saying everything. And I think I've learned so much to put a block there. Mm-hmm. I'll say up to that. Yeah. I've learned how to not say anything else. And it's enough for people yeah. because I haven't got to be rude about it. I haven't got to pretend. I've never, I've never hidden who I am though. You know, I've never pretended yeah. that I'm married, going no, out with a guy, no. got a boyfriend, got... I've just never said it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the difference. It's not like I'm trying, I'm some, I've ever been someone I'm not. Yeah. I'm still me. Yeah. I've never said this other side because I felt unable to for lots of reasons. I now just wanna 
say this other side so I can breathe yeah. and I can be happy. Yeah. And that's really it. And that's the most important thing. I don't know, uh, you know, you're obviously saying about people's reaction. I think that the queer community are about to like wrap their arms around you <laughs> and it's going to be, it will be really celebrated that you've got the bravery to sort of, mm -hmm. you know, I know that you've always been your authentic self with your family and friends, but sort of come out in such a, a public way because it is a big thing to do. How do you yeah. feel about, I mean, you're definitely going to be invited to every Pride under the sun. <laughs> I mean, that's, within a year, you're going to be like, I do not need to go to another Pride. <laughs> I am tired of Pride. <laughs> I know it's really strange because you know I've seen things and you know I've seen I see how great it is you know I had a conversation with the military about now they march at Pride yeah. and I'm like what <laughs> this is just insane you know I know it's been 22 years since the ban got lifted but I would never ever have imagined that that be a a possibility and you know that they were saying that I was like wow but I'll embrace anything positive that comes mm -hmm. I will hopefully just be able to be me mm -hmm. enjoy being me yeah. I look forward to going to a pride you know I've never been it sounds really weird now I say it but I look forward to going because I see it's a place where people express themselves I've always loved seeing clips or people talking about it, I just think, wow, that's so cool. You can just, you know, be there and be happy and do your thing, so. Well, listen, we're having a party at my house on Brighton Pride. You right. are very welcome to come and join my gang. All right. Um, so the final question that I ask yeah. everyone that comes on the podcast is sort of like, what would you tell your a version of your younger self? Now you can think of yourself, or, you know, if you want to, you can think of someone that's maybe in a similar position to you. And, uh, you know, often with this podcast, we talk about people being teenagers. But I'm wondering for you, because you haven't had that shame and because you've always been so open with your family and friends and they've always known who you mm. are. I know that you said just in the last couple of years, your mental health around sexuality and the desire to just get it out there and, and have mm -hmm. it done. Like now you're on this road. <laughs> yes. We're weeks away from the documentary coming out. Yeah. If you could sort of reach out and give a bit of encouragement to that person that didn't know if they had the courage to do what you're doing right now mm. today and what you've been doing over the past month, you know, just you from a couple of years ago, what would you say? I think everyone deserves to be who they truly are. I think in life there's so many other struggles that everyone has to contend with that not being yourself is just almost like the worst thing in what the world brings you that can happen because everything else is normally out of your control and you should be able to be in control of you. We live through our life and no one knows what's around the corner. No one knows what the next day is gonna bring to us and that actually what are we here for if we can't actually be us. And I don't want to be in that position where I can't be me anymore. And anyone listening to this, don't live how I've lived because I know what you're going through. It's hell. Try and be more you because I know, even as I sit here, I know that freedom is something that we all deserve. I think we all deserve to be able to go for our life being who we want to be, essentially to be happy. Any other struggles that come outside of being happy, what what is called life? You know, you have to contend with yeah. losing jobs, buying a house, yeah. people you lose in life, having illnesses and that. You don't know when they're going to come, but what you do know is certain as you're in this body and you're going to have to be in it until the moment you go. And I just feel that I want people 
knowing how, what I felt, I would never wish this sort of fear and insecurity on anyone else. So I want people to know that I'm talking maybe about a journey that other people are feeling and that I'm ready for the next stage. We are in, as we speak, 2022. There is a position where people can be more mm -hmm. accepted sure. and people say it's brave of me to do it. I don't necessarily, necessarily think it's brave, it's needed. I think it's not right that you can't live who you want to be. It's not right that you get judged for who you just are. Mm -hmm. And I see that that's the society that we need to have. It's not right that you, I, or anyone else can't just be free because we have enough shit to contend with. And also, you know, a lot of us have lost loved ones in the past and they don't have a chance to get up the next day yeah. and to, to live their life. And that was the same when my mum died. She doesn't have the chance to be her. She doesn't have the chance to live her next life. And I am still alive and so I want to be alive. And that alive is being my authentic self. A perfect place to end. It is an absolute honour to meet you and spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the brilliant Dame Kelly Holmes. I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation and I hope that you enjoyed the whole series. I will be back with another series before the end of the year and until then you can always get in touch with me. The email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com and wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, I hope that you're doing okay and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.